Hey, good morning, White Oak, and welcome. It is so good to be with you today. Uh, We're continuing in on this series that we started on Easter called Say Yes. And uh, in this series, uh, we've said several times that what we are trying to do is prioritize what God wants for our life and say yes to that. Okay, we, we want to say yes to the things that God is calling us to say yes to. One of the other things that we say throughout this series is that in order to say yes to one thing, it means that I'm going to be saying no to something else. So, for example, when I'm going to say yes to God and what he wants for my life, there may be places where I have to start to say no to my own selfish desires, to the things that maybe I'm trying to prioritize over God. The thing is, is that when that's kind of our mentality, yes to God and no to myself, is that that's just a battle we're just going to keep fighting. And so what we really want to start leaning into is this idea that we begin to align. We want to align what God wants and what we want so that I personally begin to want the things that God wants for my life. So I'm not saying no to things. I'm, I'm actually reprogramming. I'm transforming internally through the power of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And now my wants and my desires are in a line with what God wants for me. I'm going to say yes to the things that God is calling me to, the things that God wants in my life. And so today we're going to be talking about this idea of say yes to those in need, okay? And and so we know that there are needy people all around us, people who are hurting and people who are uh, in in unfortunate situations, people uh, who might find themselves on the edges of society, people who are being marginalized. And so we need to know that the need is great. And so we're going to ask for eyes to be able to see them and know that God is somebody who says yes to them. And so in Psalm 34, the psalmist tells us that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, okay? And so the heart of God has always been for hurting, broken people, those who consider themselves lowly. And so we're going to want to have eyes to be able to see people the way that God sees People. And so today our big idea is this, say yes to the desperate. Say yes to the desperate. Now when I say that word desperate, I wonder what comes to mind for you. You might think about people who uh, are living in poverty. You might think about people who have extreme health concerns, people who uh, need medical attention, people who are struggling with diseases and sicknesses. You might think about people with ailments or disabilities. You, you might think about someone who's at their wit's end, who, who just feels like that life is bombarding them and just the weight of it all is becoming so much that they just find themselves desperate. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of the word desperate, but for me, it, it's anyone who finds themselves in a situation where they're quickly running out of hope. 
And so uh, I think that, uh, you know, throughout this uh, message, we'll see that, uh, that desperate people come in all shapes and sizes. You see, desperation, it crosses over tax brackets. It crosses over uh, neighborhood dividing lines. It crosses over political parties. It doesn't matter, you know, where you live or what you believe or even how much money you make. None of that seems to affect the fact that all of us at one time or another can find ourselves desperate. And so today we're going to be talking about what it looks like to have eyes and compassion for those who find themselves in desperate situations. Jesus is our role model in this because uh, throughout the life of Jesus while he was here on earth as recorded in the first four books of the New Testament, the gospels as we call them, the good news, we see Jesus over and over and over again living this out. He just had this innate ability to see people. Other people that, uh, or people that others would ignore, people who others would shun, people who others wanted nothing to do with because of either their sin, because of their situation, because of their stigma. Other people wanted nothing to do with them. And Jesus had this innate ability to just always see them and to acknowledge them and to befriend them and to reach in and reach down and help them. And so we want to look in a, uh, at, at an example of this in your New Testament. And so if you want to, you can turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 18. If you want to turn there with me. Luke chapter 18 uh, is uh, just an example of Jesus. He's traveling with some of his followers. And uh, we're going to look at an account where, where Jesus just simply sees People. And so Luke chapter 18, we're going to be looking at, starting in verse 35, and we're going to look through verse 43. So I uh, want you to look along with me. If you've got your Bible, uh, you can turn there, Luke chapter 18. You can pull it up on your Bible app. If you need a Bible, go out to our hub. We've got free Bibles out there. We would love to put the Word of God in your hand. But Luke chapter 18, starting with verse 35, it says this, so it says, Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that the crowd was going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. I love this story. Do you see and hear the desperation in this man? What's going on? What's all that commotion? Well, Jesus is coming by. 
And what does the man ask for? He says, have mercy on me. I'm desperate. See, everyone else in this story who's not named Jesus is trying to quiet this guy. Hey, be quiet. Get back in the back. Hey, don't bother him. Jesus is too busy. Jesus is too important. Jesus doesn't have time for you. We don't have time for you. Be on your way. But that's not how Jesus treats this man. You see, Jesus sees him. And not only does he see him, but he stops what he's doing and he comes over to him and he says, what is it that you want me to do for you? And this desperate man says, I just want to be able to see. And so Jesus performs a miracle in this man's life and people praise God for it because they recognize the power of God at work when we stop and we see people and we help people. And so this is just a great example for us of how Jesus is able to love on this man. But I gotta ask this question of you and of me. Do we see the desperate people all around us? people who are crying out in your life and in my life for mercy, for help? Or is our schedule so full? Are we moving so quickly through life that we do not see people? We don't hear people's cries. And even if we do, maybe our agendas and our Busyness makes it so we don't stop. We don't engage in a conversation. We don't help. See, Jesus models this for us in the fact that he's willing to stop and he's willing to do something about it. And so I'm just going to, you know, as we're going through this message, we're going to, we're going to un- we're going to reveal different layers of this. But first and foremost, we, we just got to slow down. And we have to be willing to see people the way that Jesus sees people. So Luke captures this story of Jesus. Jesus, I don't know if you are familiar with this, but Jesus has a brother Joseph and Mary have other children. And so uh, Jesus has this brother. His name is James. And James, uh, after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, when the, when the church is kind of uh, growing in Jerusalem, James becomes a prominent leader in the church in Jerusalem, and he writes a letter to the churches. And so in James' uh, letter, he talks about this idea, and I want to read it for you. And so in uh, James chapter 1, in verse 27... James says this, he says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. James in this section of scripture had been talking about hypocrisy. He'd been talking about the fact that religious leaders, people who call themselves Jesus followers, 
were not keeping a tight rein on their tongue. They, they were not controlling what they say. And they also were not living out these Christ-like principles with their attitudes and their actions. And so, so they would say, hey, I'm, I'm a believer, but their voice, their mouth, their language, it didn't reflect God. They say, hey, I'm a believer, I'm a Jesus follower, but their actions and their attitudes, they didn't align with what God wanted. They said, hey, I'm saying yes to God, but nothing in their life followed that. And so James actually says, he says, no, that's not real religion. He said, real religion is this, care after orphans and widows. And then the second thing he says, he says, and do not be polluted by the world. Because what I, what I believe he's saying there is that when we allow the world to infiltrate our values and infiltrate our priorities, we can say that we're following God, but our actions and our attitude and our language, it's not going to follow suit. And so he gives this example. He says, you want to know what really matters? He says, care for orphans and widows. Now, why orphans and widows? Because I think that they are in that society and probably still in our society, a group of people that are in desperate need of help. They've lost someone significant in their life, a spouse or a parent. And in some cases, it can be felt like, it can feel like they've been left all alone, abandoned, left to fend for themselves. And so James says, this is one of the highest honors is that we would come in and we would care for them. One of the things we also need to just recognize is that when James uses this phrase, orphans and widows, it means exactly what it says, but it's also a representation of something much larger. It's kind of like when Jesus uses the phrase neighbor. When Jesus says, love your neighbor, he means your physical neighbor, okay? So we don't get off the hook and say, oh, when Jesus says neighbor, what he really, no, he means the person that lives next door to you, okay? You're supposed to love the person that lives next door to you. But he also means in the greater context, your neighbor is anyone you have interaction with. So it could be your coworker or your classmate, could be the person that uh, you run track or cross country with. It could be any of the people that you are interacting with on a daily basis. You're called to love them. And so when James says you are to care for orphans and widows, it means orphans and widows. So he's calling the church to, to rise up and to care for orphans and widows. But it also means what it represents. And that are those who find themselves in the most desperate of situations. Those who are in the greatest need. And so James says, if you want to know what it really looks like to follow Jesus... You want to know what is really the nearest and dearest to God's heart. He says it's how we take care of the vulnerable. It's how we take care of those who find themselves desperate. And so, a reminder, Psalm 34. The Lord is near 
to the brokenhearted. It's his heartbeat. And so sometimes in our life, when we have the inability to see people, when we, when we seem to ignore those who are hurting the most, we need to know. And if you've ever found yourself in this situation, if you've ever felt desperate, God is with you. He sees you. His heart is for you. He's actually propelling his church to love you. And that's what we see James saying. And so the question for all of us, the challenge for all of us is, are we willing to say yes to the desperate? And again, James so eloquently lays this out. It's not through saying it. It's through doing it, through living it out. Here's one of the issues we run into when it comes to uh, just serving or helping those in need. Now, now hear me, I, I'm, not, I'm not asking for anything to happen. I don't, I don't want to see this happen, but I'm going to paint a picture for you, a hypothetical situation. Hypothetically, let's say we have another natural disaster. Again, I don't want that to happen. I hope it doesn't. But a tornado somewhere out in the middle of our country. And, uh, and it's all over the national news, right? We, we've seen these play out before. Desperately in need of help. And so I could pull a bus outside of our building and I could be like, hey, today at 2 p.m., as many people as we can fit on that bus, we're going to Kansas and we're going to uh, offer relief. We know what's going on there. You've seen it on the news. They are desperate for our help and we're gonna fill this bus with as many people as can go and we're gonna go there and we're gonna make a difference. I'd get on that bus and I bet I could fill that bus with people, right? It's an immediate need. Uh, we see the urgency in it. It's an adventure. Drop everything. Go right now. Let's flip the scenario. Same bus. Going to leave at 2 p.m. We'll be back at 4. We're going to go and we're going to visit a nursing home. I don't know that I fill that bus. It's not as big a time commitment. We'll have you back before dinner. But we don't see the urgency in it. The bus going to Kansas, I'll figure everything out and I'll, and I'll make an, I'll get on it. Kevin's probably gonna figure out an excuse on why he can't go to the nursing home. And I, and I tell you that because of this. Sometimes we get caught up in the big things, we get caught up in the impact things, we get caught up in the urgency things. And the, both of these scenarios are worthy causes. But sometimes we become blind to the needy and the desperate that are all around us every single day. They become ignored. And like in the account we just read from Jesus, they become silenced. And so I got to ask you, are you willing to do what Jesus does? 
See, here's the thing. Jesus never lost sight of those that everyone else overlooked. He had eyes for those in need. I want to look at an account that kind of uh, will solidify this for us. It's in Acts chapter 6. So Luke wrote the book of Luke, an account of Jesus' life. He wrote a follow-up book to that uh, called the book of Acts. And it is the history of how the church began. After Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the book of Acts begins with Jesus' ascension back into heaven with him casting vision to his disciples to go and do everything that I've taught you to do and establish my church here on earth. And so they do. They begin to preach the good news about Jesus and more and more people are coming to follow Jesus. Acts chapter six, verse one, captures kind of the beginning of this. It says, in those days, the number of disciples was increasing. So the church is growing, right? It says the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So there was this issue that was taking place in the early church. They were growing and things were going great, but this church in Jerusalem was made up of two different uh, sets of Jewish Christians. Hebraic Jews were Jews that uh, followed everything from the Old Testament to the letter. They still spoke Hebrew and they still followed all their traditions that were uh, passed down to them from the Old Testament. Okay? They, they, were, they were strict about it. The Hellenistic Jews were still Jewish, but they had adopted a lot of the customs and traditions of the Greeks that were now occupying Jerusalem, the Romans that, at that time. And so they spoke Greek and they had kind of become a lot, lot more lax on a lot of the traditions. And so the Hellenistic Jews were saying, hey, when it comes time to feed the widows, our people... You know, this church had become a melting pot. All these different people from all these different backgrounds coming together to form one church. And they're like, hey, our widows are being overlooked. What are we going to do about that? And so in Acts chapter 6, starting with verse 2, they bring this to the apostles. It says, so the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, I love this about the apostles. So the apostles did two things here. The apostles said, hey, we want the widows to be cared for. But as apostles, they're like, our duty is that we're, we're out preaching the gospel and we're, you know, we're doing all this healing and we're just, you know, th this is what we're focused on. But this is important. And so we want to, uh, we want to set aside seven men that are going to oversee this operation. And so we see that they wanted the widows cared for, but they also wanted to uh, create a system 
in which this was going to get uh, taken care of. And honestly, like as we look back on this, this kind of idea, this kind of mission is what spurs on tons of ministries that get launched all the time. We'll find something that's important. We'll find a cause that needs to be taken care of. And so uh, we'll say, hey, that's really important. Not everybody can put all their energy and time into that, but we're going to set aside some people that are just going to run with that. And so that's what they did. Because it was so important that they didn't want to see it not done. They formed a way that it would get taken care of. So in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, we see the result. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Because of this, because of the way they cared for people in their community, the word of God spread. You see, when we align ourselves with the things that God wants us to be doing, when we say yes to God and we we care for the needy, when we care for those who are desperate, I'll tell you, the world notices. And so in here, in the book of Acts, it says, because of their efforts, it didn't say that more and more people got fed. It said the word of God spread. When we align ourselves with God, people will notice. And so as we consider the challenge on us, you know, we've been using this word desperate quite a bit today. Looking at those that are in need, looking at those that are the most vulnerable Truth is, every single one of us are desperate. I might not be blind. I might not be a widow. In the literal sense, I may not be an orphan, and you might find yourself in a similar situation. You know, I'm not poor. But my sin creates a barrier between me and God. And I'm desperate for a relationship with my heavenly father. And it's only through Jesus, it's only because Jesus sees me, it's only because Jesus was willing to come here on earth and do something about it, that I can be made right. And so maybe you've walked in here feeling overwhelmed, feeling depressed or filled with anxiety. Life just seems to be winning all the time. Just you get up and pick yourself up and you feel like you just keep getting knocked down again. And maybe you walked in here and maybe you've just been feeling desperate. I want you to know that you have a God that sees you You have a God that loves you. And the only way that we're going to experience the life that we've been called to live, the only way that we're going to have the peace that we're looking for, the only way that we're going to have the thing that really is going to make our life matter 
is through God's son, Jesus Christ. He came for the desperate. And that's every single one of us. If you're here today and you'd like to learn more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, man, I'd love to talk to you more about that. I'd love to talk to you more about what it means for us to come into a relationship with Jesus. Because when God comes in and and he begins to do work in our lives, the world is going to take notice. It says the word spreads. When we say yes to Jesus, the word of God spreads. And so if you'd like to talk more about baptism or accepting Jesus, I'm going to put my email address up on the screen. You can email me, just ksmith at thewocc.com. Love to talk to you about that. You can come down front and, uh, and we can talk about what a relationship with Jesus looks like. For all of us, we just got to ask the question, What is God calling you to say yes to? Where is he challenging you today? Do you need to slow down so that you can really see people the way that God sees them? You need to create margin in your life so that you have time to respond when your friend needs a text message or when somebody needs help and somebody needs a meal made for them. Do you need to create some margin in your life so that you just have the ability to breathe and be able to see people and be able to respond? You and I have people in our lives that are holding on by a thread. And you might be in here today and that might be you. You might be feeling like I'm invisible. Nobody sees me. I want you to know that your heavenly father sees you, that Jesus sees you. And church, that's all of us, okay? Every one of us, we are the church. He has empowered the church to reach in and love on those that are broken and that are hurting and that are desperate. Will you say yes to the desperate? We pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. Thank you for your son, Jesus. God, I'm so thankful that Jesus at my worst sees me and he doesn't ignore me, but he loves me and he picks me up and he calls me his own. God, I'm so thankful for the forgiveness and the salvation that comes through Jesus. It's in his name that we pray, amen.